till we couldn't shake no more. We got down on our knees when cancer knocked at our door. We got kicked in the ass. We gave lots of sass. Oh, when it rains, it falls into this half full glass. Oh, thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Victories in the dark. Hi, I'm Mimi Hall. And I'm Leanna House. And you're listening to Thanks Cancer. We are two cancer friends. And we're not doctors. We're not nurses. We're not shrinks. We're not psychics. We're not shamans. No, and cancer's pretty hard, too. I mean, cancer's a little hard. You might hear some swearing words in the episode. Ben, we hope you'll enjoy it. This is the podcast we wish that we had when we were going through our treatment. Hi, everyone. Today we have a special treat because this episode isn't just Thanks Cancer. This episode has five other podcasts that are all started by breast cancer patients. And it's going to be a little longer than usual because we had so much to talk about. So hold on to your seats. And here we go. Welcome to the intersection of cancer and life. Today we have an awesome episode for the season two finale. I've assembled basically the Avengers of the cancer podcasting world, and we have a round table of breast cancer podcasters here to talk about, well, all of the same stuff we talk about all the time. It's like cancer podcast inception. Each of these shows takes on a new aspect of advocacy and provides more and unique voices in order to develop a more nuanced understanding of life with cancer. All of these shows and all of these women are so freaking amazing, and I am fangirling so hard right now at the chance to talk to them all today, all in one place. So without further ado, I would love to introduce Kelsey Smith of the Can Survivor podcast, Kelsey Bucci of But You Don't Look Sick, Tina Conrad, the infamous DJ Breast Cancer, Leanna House and Mimi Hall of Thanks Cancer, and Lindsay DeLong of Cancer Casually. To get the ball rolling, I'm going to introduce each one of them and have them tell us a little bit about themselves and their diagnosis. So let's start with Kelsey, the can survivor. Let's (laughs) hear from you. Hello, everybody. Yes, I, Universe, what's good? My name is Kelsey (laughs) Smith, and I host the Can Survivor Network. It is a podcast that has been going on for about a year. I was diagnosed in 2014 at the age of 29 with stage 2 invasive ductal carcinoma. In my process, I underwent a double mastectomy with reconstruction, 12, well, no, 20 rounds of chemo, rather 12 with Taxol, eight with adermycin cytoxin total. (laughs) And I have been in remission since January of 2015. And I currently take tamoxifen. My cancer is ER, PR positive, HER2 new negative, and I am not genetically predisposed to any cancers. Awesome. Damn, girl, that's a hard act to follow. All right. (laughs) Kelsey, Kelsey Bucci, you're up next. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelsey Bucci, and I host the podcast, But You Don't Look Sick. Um, I was diagnosed with triple positive stage 2B invasive ductal carcinoma and DCIS when I turned 30. And so that was just in 2017. I did six rounds of TCHP, 18 rounds of Herceptin. I underwent a bilateral mastectomy followed by a full axillary node dissection, 25 rounds of radiation, currently on Lupron and Arimidex, and I'm taking Neuralinks for a year. 
cancer. It's like the gift that keeps on giving it just nothing. never ends. Right? <laughs> It, it always blows my mind to like get a group of us together and to just think about the magnitude of what all of us have been through. It's like, we've seen some shit. Like we really have. <laughs> okay, Tina, what's up? Talk Thank to you. us. Yeah, it's uh, Tina Conrad, AKA DJ Breast Cancer. I was diagnosed um, with breast cancer in 2013 at the young age of 37 and was uh, diagnosed as stage three. I had double the fun with uh, lobular and ductal breast cancer. Overachiever. Um, yeah, I know. I tried. <laughs> and, uh, actually, I'm the daughter of a two-time breast cancer survivor. My mom is now um, 15 years out, but we don't carry the BRCA gene, which is kind of crazy too. Um, and I had a double mastectomy, had chemo, radiation, um, I am estrogen positive, so I have tamoxifen, and then I do the fun Zolidex shot um, every three months. Oh, man. That thing's a beast. Yeah, yeah. No, that thing is, that thing is no joke. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Leanna and Mimi next. Leanna and then Mimi. So talk to us. Introduce yourself. So, so my name's Leanna House of Thanks Cancer. Um, I was diagnosed in 2016, right before my 33rd birthday, with the same breast cancer that killed my mother when I was 15, which was kind of a traumatic experience to go through. Uh, I also had no genetic markers, and neither did my mom. My mom was the first one in our family to have cancer, but apparently it runs pretty pretty strong in us. Uh, so I had chemotherapy, eight eight sessions of chemotherapy. I had a mastectomy, a unilateral mastectomy with full auxiliary node dissection and 25 sessions of radiation and then subsequent reconstruction. You know, been no evidence of disease since, I don't know, they never, they never really give you a date when you're in remission or anything. So I don't know, since then, since 2017 sometime. Oh, wow. I've been. been Man, that's so crazy. <clears throat> how so many of us have these pretty intense family histories and yet they come back I'd like because I have my paternal grandfather had breast cancer in 2015 he was oh, three wow. right and they're like yeah no like no genetic history I'm like he had breast cancer his sister died from metastatic breast cancer premenopausally. There's something his, that hasn't been found his yet. His mother died yeah. from breast cancer. And I'm like, you know, then I got it. I'm like, that's too, that's weird. It's so weird. There's, there's definitely yeah. a link. I know. I no, know. there is. Mm -hmm. There for sure, there for sure is. And this is a good segue for me. This is Mimi. Um, Hi, Mimi. Hi, thanks, Cancer. Hey. Um, so, yeah, that, that's exactly what it was for me, too. My grandmother, my paternal grandmother was diagnosed with breast cancer and ultimately died um, when she had, um, she had a recurrence of it. Um, but there's no, you know, there's no known genetic connection, but it's one of the things Leanna and I talk about is wondering about that. So I was diagnosed with um, HER2 positive. It was grade three um, breast cancer, and that was in... Um, um, 2015, I got on, um, it was a variant of Herceptin, it's called um, TDM1, and 
it um, melted my breast cancer away. So by the time I got a double mastectomy, there was no evidence of disease. Um, Nonetheless, I took, yeah, it was pretty amazing, actually. Um, I was part of a pretty small trial that's still going on. And then, but I did continue on with 12 and shout out to my friends on the call for 12 taxol treatments um, and about a year for septicin treatments every three months. Um, so was, and then um, reconstruction. Um, wow. So it's sort of very targeted therapy. Yeah. And it, it really seemed to work for me too. Um, I'm really grateful for it. You know, it had some side effects, but like I kept my hair, you know what I mean? It was mainly, I think the digestive system was affected probably primarily, yeah. um, but pretty mild otherwise. So it was, you know, it was exciting. At the same time, it was kind of hard to have to then go through all the due diligence because it's still in a trial phase, but right. so grateful. Right. I, I just got out of a clinical trial like a week ago and oh. it was... Right. It was, I'll, I'll fill you guys in on all the shit show that I just, <laughs> that just happened with me too. But yeah, like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah it, it was insane. But Lindsay, last and definitely not least. Um, <laughs> Hello, um, I'm Lindsay. I host um, Cancer Casually and I had triple positive breast cancer, was diagnosed at the end of 2016 when I was 33. Um, I had chemo, radiation, and a lumpectomy, and now I take tamoxifen for maybe 10 years, but maybe five if I can convince some doctor to let me out early. (laughs) Yeah, tamoxifen is no joke. Yeah. The joint pain in that shit is horrific. Yeah, I haven't so had many um, side effects from it, except my hair doesn't grow on top of my head. I have like male pattern baldness. And so I still... From the tamoxifen? Yeah, I still have been wearing wigs. And it, I mean, I've been out of chemo since... It affects your hair. It absolutely affects your hair because yeah. estrogen. Mm-hmm. I got That's a weird so bald spot when I was on letrozole. Um, I was never on tamoxifen, but like letrozole, which is, uh, you know, kind of a similar agent. I got a little bald spot on my right temple and it drives me crazy. I'm like, I can't cover it up. It just, there's like, it looks like, like when you have a baby and then that hair grows back, but it never really fully grows back. It's like that, but it's only like an inch long. <laughs> it's like, it's like cancer this, is so bizarre. this weird yeah. cancer tuft. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I want my hair to grow, but I just started taking biotin. I just switched oncologists because my um, oncologist that I had the whole time, she wasn't wanting me to take any sort of supplements. And so then I was like, well, my hair's not growing (laughs) and everyone I talk to um, take supplements. So I found a new doctor who lets me take supplements. So I've been taking biotin and I think that's helping um, grow. So now I've been wearing headbands a little more often than the wigs but (laughs) i've heard i've heard those like collagen peptides yeah marine Um, collagen mm -hmm. Uh, yeah so don't do like bovine collagen because your body can't metabolize it that's good to know Um, i have been thinking about trying it because yeah so like go for the like marine collagen and it actually helps a lot if you're experiencing joint pain yeah yeah that's one thing i was like i remember going in to my doctor once i started the arimidex and my lupron shots monthly and i was like this joint pain has to go so we need we need to figure this out and my oncologist was very he was not on the biotin train he was like i want you to find like pure marine collagen 
Okay. I was like, okay. And it helps with hair and skin and nails and definitely like aids in the joint pain. I'm it, adding it to my Amazon cart as I'm yeah. talking right now. You can just get it on Amazon or just anywhere. Marine um, collagen. Yeah, definitely look for like pure um, marine collagen. Um, I also own like a clean beauty store that came out of like my cancer diagnosis just from everything. Um, and we sell, it's called a glow powder, but it has marine collagen in it. Uh, and it has like 29 other amino acids and like vitamins and stuff that like have really helped because I lost, I don't know if anybody else lost their nails on Herceptin. I wasn't on Herceptin, but I just started Zalota a few days ago. Okay. I am anticipating, I've heard all the horror stories about the hand and foot syndrome where your hands yes. like peel off. Yep. Um, I haven't had any sort of issues so far, but I have had more joint pain than I've expected. Yeah. So I, I'm like, <laughs> like can't I have move. the hand and foot like just so I had to wear like gloves because yeah. like my hand, the skin's just like flaked off. But then I lost some of my fingernails, <laughs> which is like so gross, but it happened on my toenails. And then I lost like two of my fingernails and I, sw I was like, they're never going to grow back. And now I started taking that collagen and it could all be in my head, but I don't care. <laughs> I'm like all about the placebo effect. A plus, A plus yeah. placebo effect. False, I, like, false motivation is motivation. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if it makes me feel better, I don't care what it is. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. So, um, I am so so thrilled to be able to talk to all of you. Um, I mean, as a little background about me. I'm Emily. I'm the host of this podcast. I was diagnosed like like the rest of you like in our, you know, early mid 30s. I was diagnosed at 32. Um I was diagnosed stage 4 de novo with mets to my bones, but then in the last 6 weeks it spread to my brain and my liver and now my lung and I was on a clinical trial and they pulled me off and now I'm starting Zalota and basically I'm just fucked. <laughs> but I'm I'm not, but like that's kind of how it felt for a few days. It was a rough week. Um but but like, I'm only on my third line of treatment, so we're not like in crisis mode yet. But I think that's kind of like, I think that's kind of to, to go back to like the next question and like really what I wanted to like get to the heart of here is what is it that makes us start Cancer Podcast? And yeah. like, I feel like there's just this, like, this drive to be like, look, I've gone through some shit and I'm still going through some shit and I'm still here and I'm still doing my thing. I'm still existing. And, and for me, like that has been so powerful and so important to like connect with like other people like you guys and be like, we're all still here and we're gonna still be here and like we can still talk about these things that are really really difficult in our lives and so I kind of just want to open it up and like hear what you guys have to say about why you started your podcast and what it means to you and literally whoever wants to go first can go ahead. All right. Um, so with 
um, with breast cancer. And after, um, you know, going through chemo and finishing up treatment, um, I knew by September of that year, like something wasn't right. Like I knew something was wrong. And I thought by that point, like I was going to be in a better headspace. And I knew that I wasn't like the product marketing person I thought I was. It, it really like wrecked my brain as far as chemo and all that. Um, I used to have to remember a lot of stuff and I just couldn't keep track of things anymore. And I didn't have my energy levels. And, you know, I really thought that I was going to be crazy resilient after the treatment, but it was like one thing after another. Like I got shingles, I got all this stuff. Like, um, I moved into an apartment that had a bed bug problem. Like I had like, yeah. And then I had my exchange surgery two weeks prior and it turned into a four week ordeal because so as I'm healing from this, this exchange surgery and capsulectomy, which prolonged my healing because I had scar tissue, uh, that was a, it was really painful. It turned my healing into four weeks. Um, you know, I was just really going through like a dark night of the soul. Like it was really bad. And, um, you know, basically like I just knew I was a different person. I was pretty angry overall about everything that I had gone through. I thought I was doing everything right before I got diagnosed. And, you know, and then I realized too, like my relationship with uh, like the oncologists and, you know, just me- like basically healthcare in general, um, it seemed to differ a little bit uh, with some people who didn't really take an active interest in, in my treatment and whatnot. And, um, and so basically like I wanted to have a medium for telling my own version of what I went through and the truth. But then I went to the Young Survival Coalition's um, summit. So I had like recorded an episode in like 2016, like I was going to start a podcast and then I just couldn't follow through with it. Like I was just too shy to do it. So um, in 2018, I went out to uh, the YSC summit. And by that time I was working back in another corporate position uh, in my hometown actually. And I, um, I knew I wasn't happy. <laughs> I wasn't happy at all, but I knew I was like, I want to start a podcast this year. I want to do something for myself completely. And uh, I went to YSC at the same time and I came back and I was like, holy shit. Like there are all these companies out there that are started by fellow breast cancer survivors. So not only, you know, are these survivors surviving, but you know, they're thriving at times too. Um, and I was, I became really bitter towards that, that term until I kind of flipped the meeting. And I personally, rec- I, I, I call thrivers, um, our stage four metastatic, um, men and women. So pretty much it was like, but, but that even right there, like what's the vernacular, how do you talk to a person who yeah. has been diagnosed, you know, um, who who's doing what and why and why is there why are their credentials important we're in a we're in a time right now where you know we're seeing people without proper credentials saying that they can cure things and that they you know could run a country <laughs> and it's just like yeah. all this shit uh, yeah. so i'm like receipts receipts you know so i think it was kind of my way to to just show that like i could do something completely different than what i was doing before i was diagnosed and that was like going out on the weekends i didn't have a lot of goals like i just kind of you know, was just trying to make it through life, I think. And I just came back with like so much purpose and I just became so driven and it really, um, and that's, that's where it came from. And, and so what I do is I interview people on a, uh, a weekly basis. So sometimes if I get sick, you know, I give myself some grace, but, um, typically it's, it's on a weekly basis and I interview somebody within the, uh, 
cancer world, you know, whether they are a patient themselves, a non-patient who's a doctor, a surgeon, a business owner, it, it doesn't matter. But if there's a relationship there with breast cancer somehow, support groups, um, you know, people who for, are from the outside that, you know, are, are our bridges, you know, who want to know but don't have cancer, things like that, I wanted to highlight them and celebrate them all. So that's the story yeah. about the Cancer Survivor Network. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I love, I love what you do. And like, it's just, it is so, you know, it's upbeat, but it's real. It's like, <laughs> and, 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 and I don't, shout, I know, I know. Uh, that's why, that's why we're here. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, I gotta give a shout out to your Facebook group because I love it because there's Thanks. just so much dialogue that really gets into the meat of like what we're existing with now. And so often I feel like there is just this punctuation at the end of like, okay, this is my diagnosis. And and that's just the beginning of it. Yeah, like that's every just, diagnosis yeah. is a story because you hear all of these these individuals, you know, whether they were stage zero to stage, you know, four de novo. Yeah. I mean, it's just like every single person's story is valid in this conversation, mm-hmm. especially regardless of pre-viver or survivor or patient. You know, it doesn't matter. But yeah, it, it's it's really, you know, Brene Brown says that stories are like data but with soul. And yeah. I really love that definition I because that. I, I think that's what, you know, these stories, you know, they, they're, they show, you know, some people, you know, resilience or, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. You just, and, and it's been hard. It's, it's not easy. You know, when I, I don't want to promote certain things and, you know, because I can on my own conscience, you know, because right. I'm really thinking about the, the lives. So, you know, I was a product marketing person. I wrote, I actually wrote like marketing pitch decks and things like that, like for products and I would have to cherry pick studies. So like if anybody's going to give it to you, like listen to somebody who's been inside, who kind of like knows and who's going to be like, no, you don't, don't you dare go and do this for your treatment. You listen to this person and this is why, you know, and I, I'm really serious about it because this is a serious disease. And until you're in that position, yeah. We're not fucking around here. We're not fucking around here, y'all. So that's, that's what's kind of changed. So that's the can survivor. Yeah. <laughs> the can survivor. <laughs> Subtitle, we're not fucking around we here, fucking bro. Around here. Yeah. It is real. Shit is real here. It's real. <laughs> Well, that took a turn. <laughs> but I love you and thank you for listening yeah. and our support. <laughs> I do love you. <laughs> I want to go, I want to circle back to Leanna and Mimi for also kind of bringing this question to the forefront. And like, I, again, like, another show that I listened to very, very early on in my diagnosis. And I'm just like, I need these people in my life. And so I want to hear more about how you guys met and how you developed the show and why, like, what was it that made you say this podcast needs to happen? (laughs) So me and Mimi met in, uh, 
seminar series after breast cancer, Facing Forward, what to do now that you have no idea what you're doing and your life fell apart. But see, when, uh, when your life is super fucked and you're hating everything, and everyone was super like low energy. Yeah. And Mimi was the only, I looked around that room and Mimi was the one who like, seemed like a crazy spaz attack that I would love to get dinner with. <laughs> and <laughs> so uh, she and I started talking about all of the like psychosocial shit after cancer that no one is talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, what yeah. do we call ourselves? Like, what is informed consent? Like, cancer is really fucking weird. What about that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, my model was really... I am an ex-Mormon and leaving something like a very conservative insular religion comes with a lot of like identity and psychosocial, but there are, there are great podcasts about it. And that's what I looked for. Um, This was like early 2017. I was looking for a cancer podcast that dealt with all this psychosocial stuff, realized it didn't exist, Um, realized Mimi was awesome. And <laughs> thought that we could actually do this. Wonder <laughs> twins like, unite. <laughs> did I cover all the relevant points, Mimi? <laughs> you did. You did. I mean, I, I should interject that one of the first things Leanna said to me was, Mimi, you're sitting on the wrong side of the room. <laughs> <laughs> I told and you it was the uncool side of the room. Right, right, right. Exactly. Which I thought was cool, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the cool side. Yeah, and so yeah, so Leanna and I started. So what um, made one side cool versus not cool? Uh, Whatever side Leanna is obviously. on, obviously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, exactly. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, so um, we started hanging out and Leanna was interested in the possibility of writing a book. And I sort of said, hey, you know, I get that, but I'm interested in the possibility of podcasts. And she's like, you know, I'm really interested in podcasts too. And what we both thought was like, wow, we really wish we had a podcast to listen to when we were going through chemo. Because as you guys may have experienced too, it's so hard to read, right? Like, I don't know why. And I'm a reader, but like, it's been hard to read. And so I got really into podcasts because of that. And so once I came out of it and felt strong enough again, um, you know, my background, um, I've worked in magazine publishing for years. I've done a lot of um, work in nonprofits since then, a lot of community outreach and spokesperson work. So it seemed kind of natural. And, and then Leanne and I just had a sort of a can-do attitude about it and said, you know what, let's just like do the Google thing with researching how to do podcasts and um, took on... We call it an artisanal podcast. <laughs> I love it's it. small bag. <laughs> I mean, though, like, exactly. I feel like they're kind of all small batch because, like, th- there's there's this very self-limiting audience in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I've I've definitely been in like mixed company or like you know at like a dinner party or like a children's birthday party and you know my podcast happens to come up and everyone is just like it's like one of those like record scratch I'm like yeah I have a podcast where I talk about my cancer (laughs) uh okay I'm gonna go over here now (laughs) 
<laughs> that that will make a child's birthday party completely different. <laughs> <laughs> and memorable. And then we found out Aunt Emily had cancer. Yeah. <laughs> and, like I've I've definitely had family members um ask me not to bring up my illness at family gatherings. <laughs> like, <laughs> because they don't want to bring the mood down. And so I've had to like really censor myself because I don't typically censor myself when it comes to life with cancer because that's bullshit. That's my life. Like I don't get to censor it. Like, so why does, would anyone else? And, um, and it brings the mood down if you're like boring and sad about it. But if you're like goddamn funny about it, like I think <laughs> cancer's pretty funny. It's made me funnier. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there's a whole element of like cancer comedy that is totally yeah. untapped. Like, can yeah. we please get together like some sort of like stand up improv show? Yes. Yes, yes. Sure. I actually thought about doing that too. I didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We're so, we're making Allie in charge of that. She's a sometimes <laughs> guest on our podcast. So I am. She listens to this. <laughs> I am holding all of you accountable for this. It needs to happen. <laughs> I want. Yes. I, I want the Google Calendar invite. <laughs> we're down. Posse together. Posse yes. in fact. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. Um. So. Let's see, Kelsey. Uh, Kelsey Bucci. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like I want to be like I want to be like in third grade, be like Kelsey S or Kelsey B. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. So, talk to me. Talk talk to us about your show. Like, where? What was it that made you want to start podcasting? Like you you have you've developed this this business model in, in like, like a, you know, you have this beauty store that has come out of your, um, you know, your experience with cancer and like you have this, uh, you know, kind of clean beauty authority, which is amazing. And I utilize you for a lot of information. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but you don't look sick just came out of people telling me while I was going through cancer treatments that I don't look sick. And I didn't know how to take that. Honestly, in the beginning, I was like, you know, well, how the fuck should I look? (laughs) Like, Like you have this preconceived notion that a cancer patient looks like this. And, um, I also didn't like, I had no, this was my first introduction into cancer was my own diagnosis. I don't have any family history of breast cancer. Nobody has been diagnosed with cancer on either side of my family thus far. So this kind of came out of nowhere, but I didn't have anybody to turn to in my own family to say, well, how did you deal with this? Or, you know, what, like what, what's this whole like scanxiety? Like I'm having all these feelings about waiting for scans. I'm having all these, I didn't have anybody to kind of turn to, um, when it came to my diagnosis and everybody was kind of putting these, you know, like expectations on me of how I should, how I should be dealing with things. And, um, 
I didn't really know how to take that. So I turned to my blog initially. I've had my blog for five years and my blog came out of just being a stay-at-home mom to four kids in five years. Oh my God. I have one and I'm like, good Lord. (laughs) Yeah. So it kind of just became this outlet for me to just say whatever I wanted to say. And so I already had like this platform of people that kind of were following me and followed my life and my kids' lives. And when I got diagnosed, I debated on whether or not I was just going to kind of like go away quietly and then reemerge with like a pixie cut. And I didn't know how I wanted to do that. Like I was just very confused in the beginning. And so I started to share it on social media. But as I was going through treatments, I was always getting these comments like, well, you don't look sick and you know, you make people would say weird things like you make cancer look so easy. (laughs) And I was just like, what the fuck are people saying? Like, I'm having a horrible time over here. You're like, am I supposed to make this hard so that it's easily digested by you? Like, like what am I, what is it? What are we supposed to? But I was also kind of like, you know, after chemo, I'm kind of in like a dark hole for three to four days. I'm not really like, Hey babe, take a picture of me real quick so I can post how miserable I am on Instagram. Like that's not at all what I wanted to be doing. And so, yeah, I would post like a picture of me smiling a week after chemo with my kids because that I was finally smiling a week after chemo. So I kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm sick of people telling me that I don't look sick. I'm sick of people saying that like somehow, and I don't know if you guys have experienced this at all, but like that somehow it's like people gauge your cancer diagnosis based on like how miserable you seem. Yeah, no, seriously. That was a, that was a motivating driver for mine for sure. Yeah. And I'm like, this is not like whose dick is bigger than who's here. Like, I don't want you to be more miserable (laughs) than me. And I don't want to be more miserable than you. Like... Can't we just be a gymnast tomorrow? You know, (laughs) right? Right. (laughs) Come on, just like you know, like don't gauge your own cancer diagnosis based on a picture that you see on Instagram of another cancer fighter, or like we're all going through this shit together. Like, let's just. But for real. But how will we know who wins the suffering Olympics if we (laughs) can't really compare? (laughs) Exactly. So I I have not worn a bra. I better get a participation trophy for that. I, you all get a cookie. You I am still in pajamas from like three days ago. Yeah. Um, I was just kind of like, let me just rip the veil off of yeah. what people think that. my cancer yeah. diagnosis is. And so mm-hmm. I started, but you don't look sick. And it just kind of goes step by step, like from the day I got diagnosed until basically until I had like like my reconstruction Um, And I was also bringing in other women who I knew or who had an impact on me um, on social media. I brought them in for different episodes to tell their story, but to tell it the way they wanted it to be told, not the way that it was perceived on Instagram or the way that maybe they explain it at a family dinner when everybody doesn't want to hear about, you know, their trials and tribulations. I was just kind of like, let's say what we need to say, how and how we, you know, absorbed all of this. And So that's kind of what my podcast is. And it kind of came full circle. Actually, last week, I got my Lupron shot and my oncologist came in and he said, Kelsey, we need to have a little bit of an intervention. And I was like, well, fuck, like, what did I do now? Because I, 
I'm the loud, like skipping through the hallway cancer patient in his office. And so I was like, man, who did I offend? Like in the infusion center today. Like, well, shit. (laughs) And he was like, he brought in, um, the, like my PA and they were sitting in there and they both looked at me and said, how come you never told us you had a podcast? And I was like, uh Oh, like, I was like, well, like I kind of talked about you guys on it, like a lot. Well, you're actually like in a lot of the podcast. And my oncologist said, you know what? He said, I'm just, I'm so proud of you. And I was like, for what? Like, what do I do? He said, well, for one, he's like, medically, you got a lot right. And I was like, yeah, I I was like, that's so fantastic because it's not a medical podcast. And then he said it was so surreal to listen to a patient talk about their experience, but my patient, because I lived this with you. And I was like, so did you learn a lot? And he was like, yeah, like I should have, you know, threw you like a Hollywood type party when, you know, you were cancer free. Like, he's like, I, I feel like listen, after listening to your podcast, I robbed you of that feeling of being cancer free because he never really did tell me like, you're cancer free. It was just kind of like, okay, you're done with treatment. And now we're going to monitor you closely for the next 10 years. And like, okay, good luck. <laughs> like there was no like aha moment or something. And so, I mean, he really listened to it all and then was like, like good job. And he's a cancer survivor himself. He had adrenal cancer when he was in his thirties. So then from like a cancer patient to a cancer patient, it was kind of like, he was like, you know, good, good for you for like putting it all out there the way that you want your story to be told. So I was like, wow. <laughs> That's so empowering to hear yes. that from like, to have that conversation where one of your medical professionals is talking to you like a person and yes. not a patient. Not that like they don't do a good job when they're doing their job. Cause I feel like at least my doctors, like they do a really fucking good job. Mm-hmm. But I love when they can kind of pull the veil back and they can be like, look, person to person. Like, and that's incredible. Like, that's so powerful. Yeah. That, yeah, that like he, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh my, like you are human. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like it was very, I was just kind of like, I remember getting in the car and calling my husband and I was like, oh my gosh, like, Doctor, so like he listened to the whole podcast. I was like, you know, but he also said that was like so interesting to me was that he said we had no idea what you were going through. He's like, every time you came into this office, you you were either smiling, like, oh yeah, we're good, we're good, everything's good, yeah, we're fine. He's like, or you were cracking jokes. He said, so we didn't ever really know how to read what what was going on. He was like, unless you were physically like when I was put into a neutropenic isolation, like he was like, then we knew you were really sick. But like, other than that, we could never gauge where you were. He said, but then listening to your podcast, he was like, I was like, wow, like so much was going on behind the scenes that we had no idea about. And I said, yeah, you should probably check on your patients. Like, (laughs) like after they leave. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Someone should call them. Like you are like pushed off the cliff. Yeah. 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 So it was definitely like an interesting moment. And I was like, okay, my podcast, if, if, if my podcast ends today, it serves some sort of purpose. Like, so I think that's such an interesting, an interesting topic too. And because I, 
and I'm kind of curious about it because that's not my experience. Like I never get to, I never get to get pushed off the cliff. Right. Um, and so like what happens when you're done with treatment? And this seems like kind of just a silly question, but like, I want to touch on that. I also, I want to get Lindsay, I want to talk to you about what made you start your podcast. I want to hear about that. And Tina, um, and I don't, I, I want to get those, but I also want to circle back afterwards and talk about like this, this getting pushed off a cliff. So I'm going to go Lindsay, then Tina, and then Cliff. Um, I, um, I am the managing editor of a magazine and uh, we also produce podcasts and my editor in chief was like, Lindsay, you should start a podcast about cancer. And I was like, (laughs) definitely not because I hate talking about cancer. And every time I do, I start crying and then she like made me. And so, um, yeah. And now we're in season two. Um, she made me promise that I would do one season and it actually ended up being really fun. And because we have like, it's produced by the fullest magazine. So we were able to get like pretty, um, awesome people that like I probably wouldn't have been able to get just reaching out on my own. Um, and so I got to like interview like Angelina Jolie's like breast surgeon and okay, that's uh, fucking awesome. Yeah. I went <laughs> to her house in Santa Monica and like got to interview her for an hour and a half at her kitchen table. And it was really cool. Cause I got to like ask her all the questions I have about how bad is candy? How bad is alcohol? How bad, you know, like stuff right. that I'm kind of too scared to ask my doctor. And so that was cool. And I just really liked the people that I got to meet. And um, so now we're on season two. We're like halfway through it. And um, I kind of like it. Um, the first season I, I did end up crying quite a few times um, in podcasts because I think it was just a little too soon um, after my treatment ended when um, and then I started talking about cancer all the time, like getting recorded. And so, um, yeah, sometimes it was hard. One time I did like four episodes in a day, um, in New York, I flew out to New York and had like, um, four people come to my hotel every two hours. Oh my um, God. To do an episode. Wow. And it was really cool. Like I had Erica Hart from iHeart. She, Erica, Erica Hart, if you are listening, you are on my list of dream guests. Yeah, she's amazing. But she yeah. came and it was just a full day. But by episode four, I just, in the middle of it, just started crying. And I was with um, Lauren uh, Chirilla from, yeah. 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 And she had to, like, we had to stop it and she had to do this full out meditation exercise on me for like 15 minutes because I was like absolutely like sobbing, like not just tears. It but was real, she's like the perfect person to Oh, be I know. She's amazing. So yeah. it was, it was really cool. Um, I mean, it was also really horrible, but um, it's been a cool um, experience that I'm. I'm thankful for, I don't know how many episodes I'm going to be made to do, but I kind of am liking it now. So maybe there'll be a season three, but 
it's been kind of fun. <laughs> I do cry a lot. But this season, it's been better. And my boyfriend, he's the one that, like, um, found the lump and made me go get it checked out because I, like, would never go to doctors. Um, he has hosted, co-hosted a couple episodes with me now. So that's been kind of fun because we're, like, he makes it more fun. And oh, yeah. Like, he cracks cancer jokes. And it makes me feel more comfortable and... um yeah, it's been cool. We just did an interview, a double interview with the founders of Your Super. They're a superfood company um, and based out of Venice. And um, they are a couple that have went through cancer together. So it was cool for like one couple to interview another couple that have all went through kind of the same thing. So that was another very um, cool uh um, experience so yeah <laughs> but it's hard talking about I I get really emotional I just had this girl who had breast cancer and then she she had breast cancer at the same time I did um and she got um like went into remission and a year later it came back as leukemia so I just oh, interviewed her last week she had a bone marrow transplant and um yeah that one I like cried like for like 30 minutes out of one and a half hours <laughs> and she didn't even cry she teared up once but it's hard <laughs> yeah yeah well and it's just like it's it's emotional in that like a lot of times for me like I I usually hold it together during the interviews but like spoiler I get off of the call and I am just blasted. I'm like, that was a lot. I am super drained. Like I, I just, it's so, it's incredible that people are so open and trusting in you to like do good by their stories. And that's a lot like, and that feels, it feels like a, it's a heavy responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's um it's been good. It's been good. Yeah. <laughs> it could yeah. be better. I could stop crying, but um yeah, it's, it's getting there. More I wanted to quit. <laughs> I I had to take like I think a, like a three month hiatus between season one and season two because I legit got really burned out talking about cancer. And that was right when I had progression and so I was just like fuck my life like fuck this disease fuck everything like burn it to the fucking ground I was so <laughs> angry and I was just like I cannot do this in a way like I couldn't write I couldn't blog I couldn't talk about it because it was just too intense for me it was like it was like stepping on hot coals yeah yeah yeah, I it's it comes in waves. It comes in waves. <laughs> yeah, I like uh, I'm like in real life I'm like really fun and like always smiling and so it's just hard like it, I feel like I would be better at a podcast where we could talk about kittens and <laughs> oh like, hell yes, can we have another feet. podcast and talk about kittens? <laughs> yeah, because I really I think be all be over great. that. <laughs> But I'm not that great at um, talking about cancer. But <laughs> you know, like it's it's such a relative thing because even if you don't feel like you're that great about it, like you're still doing it. And I think that that is that's a testament in and of itself. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, Tina, last and definitely not least, my darling DJ Breast Cancer, I love your show so much. And I just, I, it's been so cool watching you, like, I, because I feel like, I've been like, like being like an Instagram creeper as you've like <laughs> launched your show. And I, I just like, it's so cool to see that progression of like development and launch. And so like, what is it? What is it that made, made you decide to go forward with it? And what is it that, that drives you? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure like many people, like I loved podcasts. Like, so before even my cancer diagnosis, like I would go for a walk and listen to a podcast and, you know, there's just so many amazing ones out there. And like one day I was walking and I was like, you know, I'm going to search breast cancer, like what comes up and like nothing comes up. And I was like, this, yeah. is, this is crazy. Like we, bullshit. I know <laughs> like we need each other. Like what's yeah. going on? And I think it was, it just, it kind of fueled this like idea. And I felt, you know, I had been through cancer two times with my mom and then obviously once, you know, personally, and, you know, she was, you know, full of so many wisdom and tips. I went to support groups and there was so many wisdom and tips. And it's just like, I felt like there was ways that we could help one another, knowing that everybody's journey is different and everyone has different side effects. But there is a lot of great common knowledge that we can just share with others, you know, and I think that that's such a great thing that women do. And so that was, you know, part of it. And then it really, you know, sparked like a, a sense of like writing and self-exploration. So I was in like a big corporate job and all of a sudden, like the, the game kind of changed. And, and I think I wasn't quite ready for all of that, but it, it kind of became, you know, just who I came out of cancer was different than who I went in as, and, and that's okay. And yeah. so I think that kind of life after cancer for me was, it looked a whole lot different. And so I wanted to share that with people and kind of that whole mental aspect, like after cancer diagnosis, you know, you, you might not be the same and, and, and that's okay, you know, but just how do you get through all of that? And then I had a friend um, that passed away last summer and I think that just really made me, you know, she was in my support group and I dedicated, you know, season, season one to her. And I think that just like sparked me in a way, like I like lit a fire under my ass, you know, like if yeah. I want to do this, I have to do this now. Like no day is guaranteed, you know, and, and you know that as a cancer survivor, but it just really brought it more to the forefront. And so it just really sparked me. And, you know, I just really wanted to inspire hope and inspire change and just let people know that they can make a difference. And I've really tried to teach, you know, I feel like people are kind of dumb when it comes to empathy. Preach, preach. You know, like we can truly help them you know, just if you, if you know someone going through cancer or a horrible life situation, here's what you can say. Like, you know, it's, it's not that hard, but it is hard, obviously. So, you know, I mean, season one was all about my journey and it was hard. I cried too. I cried. There was many episodes I had to re-record like multiple times, but it, cause it was my journey. And now I've kind of branched out into season two and it's other guests. And I actually feel like a, a weight's been lifted. Like it's just more joyous and more fun. And I'm just really trying to focus on like how you can make a difference. And I love this, that we're doing this all together and that our voices can just be that much stronger 
you know, for all of our, you know, audiences to listen to all these different, you know, women with different experiences and different takes on, on a similar, you know, yet different experience. Also. Yeah. 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 It's really nice. I, I'm thankful you got everyone together. I'm, I'm so glad that you guys responded to my weird Instagram messages. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, or or I, I don't even know, Instagram and Twitter and like, I, I feel like, I, I, I feel like I sent them all out and I was like that like kid that is like waiting on Valentine's Day. Like, <laughs> am, am I going to get any responses? Like, what the fuck did I just do? <laughs> it's the opposite of scamsiety. It is. It is. It's like, I, but like, I feel like it's like, like making cancer friends is a very strange experience. Mm-hmm. And, and like navigating friendships. I feel like we could have a whole episode on this. It's like, it is just, it is such a bizarre, different like twilight zone. And, you know, so like I've had so many, I mean, I haven't had a single relationship that has stayed the same. My, you know, relationship with my husband included, you know, since my diagnosis. And I'm sure all of you have had similar experiences with close friends, with, you know, friends that you didn't think would be there for you when all of a sudden they show up with Sherry's berries and a cocktail (laughs) and you're like, damn bitch, (laughs) you are right or die. (laughs) What are Sherry's berries? Oh, honey, Sherry's Berries. Okay, now we all have to send some. (laughs) Sherry's Berries are chocolate-covered strawberries and, like, other chocolate-covered fruit. But they are the shit. And, like, anytime people are like, what can I do to help? I'm like, Sherry's Berries. (laughs) That's a great thing to have in your back pocket. I need to go through cancer again so I can, like, use this <laughs> advice. <laughs> I, mean, I, I have to say like that has been that that's been the that's been the hardest thing for me is you know and I want to open that up too and because I think someone touched on that like what to what what people can say to help what when people say what can I do like I don't yeah. know I don't know yeah. I can't get myself dressed half the time because like I either hurt or I'm tired or my son's throwing a shit fit and I like I'm just going to roll up to preschool drop off with two different shoes on and I don't even know where my bra is. So <laughs> like you figure it out. <laughs> so like like for you guys, like, what can people say that will, like, help? What can they do? What can people do to, like, ease the burden on you? I think that you people just need to take the guessing game out of it. Nobody wants to ask for help. Like, everyone wants to feel like they're strong enough to do this, and they don't want to, like, I know my thing was, like, I don't want to feel like I'm burdening anybody else because, like, cancer is my shit. Like I'm not trying to interrupt anybody else's life to like come feed my four children or come walk my freaking great Dane. Who's going to like eat his way out of my wall any minute. Like, (laughs) 
Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to feel that way. And I always felt like when people asked me that open-ended question, like, well, what can I do? It was just a backwards way of me then asking for help. The things yeah. that like, and then I also felt like people just want to say, you know, like the, the lady at the grocery store checkout, it's like, could see that I have no eyebrows and I'm bald. Right. And she would say, Oh, you know, we're all here to help. I'm like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, the, Define like, that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the people that really genuinely wanted to help are the people that dropped off a gift card for food, or they just dropped off dinner, or yeah. they they hired a cleaning lady and they got my house cleaned for me when I was going through treatment. Like, I feel like if you want to help, just do. Like just yeah. do something. Don't do ask. And be specific. Yeah. And yeah. put the burden then on the patient to have to say, oh, well, like you said, I really can't get myself dressed in the morning to take my kids to school. Like it's, it's I don't, I don't, I, that, I mean, that's just my experience, but I yeah. kind of feel like you got to just, if you want to help somebody going through it, just help them. Just do it. Yeah. 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 One of the um, sweetest things that people did for me when I was sick, um, my boss actually got one of those like subscriptions for Daily Harvest, which yes. is like movies oh, yeah. and soups that are delivered on like dry ice straight to your door. And she did that for me for like nine months. I had to wow. like go in and like figure out how to like cancel the subscription because my freezer was like <laughs> overflowing. And That's I was, amazing though. It yeah. was so nice. And she just, yeah. I mean, I mean, even if you do for one week, send mm -hmm. those, it's just so nice because they stay in your freezer and you can go to them anytime. And it was just so sweet because, yeah. um, it, it wasn't like I have to ask you like just yeah. that you do you don't have to ask like hey I'm hungry <laughs> right I don't feel like cooking I feel like sending food is like that is such a good way to help and be like and and don't like not asking but just being like I want to send you food. I don't want to make this weird. Is there a gift certificate that you yeah. want? Like for a while we were on a Panera kick because my kid loves Panera. And so people <laughs> were like, oh, Panera, that's amazing. And it was awesome. It was like super easy, super wonderful. Um, and, you know, and we ate a lot of Panera and I love Panera and it was so great. Um, or hey, just one of one of one of my favorite things that people did was when they messaged me, they said, "No need to respond." Yes, I'm like, oh my god, Sweet. yes. yes. <laughs> so send me a Panera gift card with a message that says, "No need to respond." I, gift I ever. <laughs> have emails from November of 2018 that I haven't responded to. Um, I'm sure if you're listening and you are one of those people, because there are multiple, I apologize. And you know, my life is a shit show. Thank you for not making it an issue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, 
I did the same thing like everyone when I got sick they like sent so much stuff and I like started handwriting thank you cards and when I shaved my head I like saved all my hair and then I made like little braids with my oh my hair. god and then <laughs> and like I started sending them like in the thank you cards like thank you here's a braid but then <laughs> after like, it's so then, weird I love that's it amazing and super creepy and I really <laughs> wish that I had gotten one. I know, that is like Victorian and strange. Kate, I want to learn Victorian hair art. I still have my hair because I'm going to make some, some Christmas tree ornaments out of Victorian hair art. Oh my God. This is when I get around to it. After like 10, I was like, this is a little weird. Maybe I'll stop. But I, there's so many people I didn't so many people that didn't get hair art yeah but now now you have to be really careful like if one of those people like commits a crime and like you're (gasps) now you've just given them your hair that's true amazing i'm I'm, there's location services in there (laughs) now now segue to a new podcast a true crime like breast cancer (laughs) breast cancer true crime no joke thanks Thanks, cancer killer. That's what they're going to call me. <laughs> I, I feel like we need to have so many spinoffs that are like coming out of this. We're going to have the kittens show. We're going to have oh. the true crime show. We're going to have uh, Lindsay's weird Victorian hair art. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think like, we have a network. Um, also, <laughs> FYI, I... I am because I am such an amazing multitasker. I'm also like browsing on um, Kelsey's online shop because I love her skincare recommendations. <laughs> so maybe that needs to be another show. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna yeah. get that collagen stuff. Oh, it's really good. The glow powder. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. I want you to put a link in the episode notes. Yes, yeah. I totally am. I'm writing that down right now. So you would like a retreat. I want a retreat. What? What? Oh, did you take- oh, I was gonna say I want a retreat. Go ahead, but with the biotin. Go ahead. I think we should do a retreat with the biotin. Yes. <laughs> Um, I mean, you can definitely, I don't want to tell anybody not to take, but I mean, biotin can work for some people. I just feel like the collagen, your body, it's just easier to metabolize and you can't go like crazy with it. You know, like that was one thing my doctor told me about supplements is to be really careful, especially coming off of everything. And I'm still taking Neuralinks, which is like an at-home targeted therapy drug. And so he was kind of like, I don't want you to mess up any levels. Like So I don't, like, if you did take biotin, only take X amount, like, don't, don't go overboard and think that like, all of a sudden your hair is going to be growing back like freaking Rapunzel. Like that's not not all those brands go through proper testing either. So, because it's not regulated Mm -hmm. by the FDA. It's not regulated by the FDA. So so you have no idea. Um, So Paris Laundry, which is my clean beauty site, we're partnered with BCPP, which is Breast Cancer Prevention Partners. Um, And so we kind of have to also like adhere to their standards. Um, And they eliminate a lot of stuff that like is even remotely linked to even like a skin irritant. They're like no go. So we kind of cross-reference everything with them. And then we cross-reference everything with EWG. And so 
we like, we're like clean beauty on steroids, clean steroids, of course, but like we take it to like the next level where we don't just bring in a lot of brands. Everything's pretty small batch or it goes through a lot of testing. So like I'm totally linking to the show, linking to uh, shop Paris laundry in the show notes. So you will definitely get to, to do that as well. So um, yeah, so, I mean, I along know, with all the other podcasts, the marine all, all collagen, I feel like, um, if it work, you know, if, if you've tried biotin and you're kind of like, I'm not seeing these great results that all these people talk about or something, maybe your body just can't metabolize it. So trying marine collagen as an alternative might, might work. Okay, cool. <laughs> Got to get this hair back. Got to make yeah. braids. <laughs> so that you can make more braids. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to... I wanted to talk about two more things before we wrap up slash go too far off the rails because I don't, okay. But first, how many of us are drinking right now? I am. Me? Yes. Yes. I stopped about 30 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, but like not for want of a cocktail, (laughs) mostly because I can't drink anymore. And so I'm like drink, I'm like drinking vicariously through you guys, just so you know. Um, So I wanted to talk, like we, we talk a little bit about this question of identity and like, what do we call ourselves with cancer and what, um, like, like, who are we? Like, how does this fit into our sense of self and our sense of identity? And like, um, Leanna, you talked a little bit about that being kind of this crux of, um, of kind of like wanting to start the podcast. So why don't you kind of kick it off and we can just go from there? So we have a whole episode about what do we call ourselves and we call it's cancer semantics, like all of this language around cancer, because how you talk about it, yeah. uh, both to others and to yourselves, to yourself is going to affect how you go through this experience. So it's really important. And, um, I didn't feel like a cancer patient for like a year. I was like, I am not one of those people because it, it wasn't something that I could bring into my identity. Um, so it took me a while to like be kind of okay with the cancer patient, I guess. And the cancer survivor, although that seems like a low bar to me. And like, I don't think I could call myself a thriver with a straight face. Um, just because that's not like how I talk about myself. Um, yeah. the, the imagery that's resonated with me, but it has not caught on is like, I wasn't a fighter, yeah. but I was the battleground where a fight happened. And right. I love that. Like, I think that yeah. is so, yeah, that's such a great way of phrasing it. Um, because I definitely like, I bear the marks of war and like shit went down here. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's like, I did not have volition. Like I was just here when it happened. And I was talking to someone on social media today and she said that something about my sense of humor was savage. And I'm like, wait a second. Like, I feel like if cancer has changed me, it has brought out like not a 
I am surviving. I am still existing here, but like kind of a more savage side because it's such a terrible thing to go through that you, you kind of have to uncover this core savagery or this core self um, as you are reborn. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, definitely inner beast mode. But it's, it's so true. It's, and it's this, like, there's no part of your life that isn't fundamentally altered. Like, everything literally they're radiating your dna to like change that shit like it's it's insane when you think about how much just even at a cellular level how much you're going through and and how we grapple with this language of like what what is it that we that that we're reckoning with like i I really struggle with it because I, I, I wanted to call myself a survivor very early on because I was like, I liked the idea of kind of like changing that survivorship narrative and, you know, kind of saying like, yeah, I'm surviving. And, and then as I got further into it, I was like, that's not me. And I don't feel like a thriver because again, don't know where my bra is, like still in my PJs, like not thriving, not cute. Like this is not it. it, Like, and I just kind of settled with like, I'm living with breast cancer, living with metastatic breast cancer. Cause the other, the converse to that is that I'm dying with it. Like I'm dying from it. And, and so I needed to have some sort of marker that just was like, just kind of didn't have any sort of emotion attached to it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That makes me want to cry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even as a, you know, as a survivor, as a person that actively uses it and is, you know, and people I've had like, had Lewis Howes tell me in front of all, a bunch of people, like, I hate the name can survivor. And I think it makes people uncomfortable because, yeah, you know, we have this, this society today that everyone's like, I don't want to be a victim. I don't want to be a victim. But you see so many people are victims to, you know, whatever they yes. went through beforehand, yeah. whatever, yeah. you know. And I just, you know, I started realizing that that was like the big change. And, you know, I, I just started seeing parts of myself I didn't like before I got cancer. I became so much nicer and it was a genuine nice. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be the fake girl, you know, and I was hanging around, you know, like girls that were just not really girls, girls. And I, I don't like that. Like I, I'm competitive. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, you know, but it's, it's appropriate. And I just, you know, I think that cattiness and I think that ego kind of just disappeared for me afterwards. You know, I think that's what happens when your, your body doesn't feel like it's yours anymore. No, you know, because you're like at the will of your doctors, you know, who you pray are going to, you know, put you in the best of hands, but you don't know, you know, I mean, there are so many there, you know, to be a survivor to me is just, you know, you can, um, you can come back and you can have a bad day sometimes Mm -hmm. that's okay, but you can get ahead tomorrow, you know, like just don't, don't give up, you know? And, uh, but when you fall off that cliff and you suddenly just like have this whole, like, oh my gosh, what was I doing before I got this? And they're telling me, I don't have 
anymore, but I did all this crazy shit. I don't have nipples anymore. Oh my god. my nipples? Oh my god, I can't like yeah. I'm having like guys tell me like that I'm too sick and you know, I'm hearing this and I'm just like, oh my God. Like I I felt for a while like I, I was in a whole different prison and that I was gonna lose out on a lot of opportunities because I was suddenly a sick person. And so yeah, like even just, you know, it it transforms your whole mindscape on like who you were, everything. Like I know I thought I did everything right. I was, you know, eating at the nice restaurants. I was paying the $30 for the pizza. You know, I was oh, doing yeah. all that shit. Pizza. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I was hiking the mountains. Like I was fit and like, it is, you know, something happened. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it was my medications. I don't know, but yeah, like we're, we're in this together. And, you know, I think that's a, an important part of it too. It's like, we are going to feel some significant pain because we've had our chest scrapes open. We've been toxified like crazy, like to the brink of death. Like, I don't know about you guys, but like, oh my God, my fingernails fell off. You know, my toenails fell off, all this stuff. So it was just like all this like after effects, you know, and even to losing my hair, fuck it. You know, it was hard. It was hard, you know, like just now I just wanted to go back to be cows for a while. And, and, and the more that I progressed, the more I realized I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not cows who I was before diagnosis at all. She kind of died. Like it was a different, like I have survived a whole different level. A whole mess of shit. Yeah. Whole mess of shit. Like a whole mess of shit. I feel like, I feel like too, once you like, once you go through it and everything and you just, you realize you don't have time for the bullshit. You like don't. you don't have, you don't, no, you're not here to not fake the funk, you know? Yeah, and I'm single and I'm trying to date. Don't you freaking dare try to hit on him just because I'm trying to date him and I've had cancer. You know what I mean? Like I have, I have had some girls show themselves to me and I am like, damn, well, yeah, you know, I had like, to walk away. Yeah. To walk away. Yeah, just everything. I feel like, Whew. like, you know, we, we, we all can make excuses in our lives, especially like before cancer of why we were doing things or why we had certain people in our lives, even family members, because oh, it's yeah. like, they're my family. Like, what do you mean? You, you, you know, you just, you stick with your family, their blood, this and that. But then yeah, shout out to my like, sister, by the way, she's so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I had a bunch of family members and like who showed their true colors and I was just kind of like, you know what? I'm so grateful for it because I just was mm-hmm. stringing people along. And I feel like cancer just once you, you know, once you, yeah, once you get that diagnosis and you go through all these treatments and everything, you just have no fear. And that's yep. just how basically like how I live every day is like, I don't really, I don't fear very much anymore. Like, because I've already had to, in those initial stages of me being diagnosed, um, my diagnosis was really crazy and strung out for a very long time. And like, um, they thought it had spread to my liver at one point. And so we, for me, I was like, okay, I, I accepted a lot of those really dark thoughts in the beginning. And so I was kind of like, what am I going to fear now? And so I don't know, cancer like lit a fire under my ass, like to just do all of the things like, Mm -hmm. like we've talked about, like start a podcast, like just put yourself out there, your entire story, your opinions. And so it's so vulnerability because you don't know how people are going to accept it or take it. You know, you don't know who you're going to lose or gain, you know, in the process 
process and it's scary and you just feel like, like I've had so many instances where I was just, I came in just ready to quit. Yeah, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I just can't do this, you know, because yeah, it's, it's a bearing of the soul. For and, sure. and everything is scary and nothing is known. And then you're like thrown into like even more scary stuff. Like, like who, who of my friends are going to actually like be there through this like who or who is just going to be like sorry fuck you later like you know it just um it's it's crazy it's really it's insane how this shifting of identity is just like it's such a snowball yeah yeah like i know for me like i take risks now like i used to live pretty safe you know and now it's like fuck it you know like yeah I, I oh, like yeah. grew up and never touched a worm. And then all of a sudden I'm like 38 years old walking down the street and there's a worm and I'm like, you know what? Fuck that worm. I'm going to go touch it. I don't give a shit about it. You know, like I don't care. I'm not going to apologize. So I mean, I just, I'm not going to be fearful of stupid shit anymore. I let the ants outside now. I, I like pick them up and I'm like, here you go, go outside. You know, I mean, yeah, I told, I get you. Like it's yeah. so, you see the, such a beauty in the architecture of the universe too. Like yeah. that's kind of the beauty. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's mm. like, it's like, wow. Yeah. You know, you look at like intense feathers within hummingbirds and you just feel that shit so much deeper because you know that you were on the fucking ledge of death at some point or you're, you, you're possibly even getting there and you just <laughs> have to appreciate yeah. it while it's, while you've got this this very thing you know yeah yeah but at the same time like there's an, a whole element of that like when even though you can be really really fucking sick like that, that life is still like has that normal shit like and it's always like yeah, it doesn't go away <laughs> yeah yeah I, like like I I got a parking ticket on my birthday because I had parked. I mean, it was my own fault, but I was like kind of hoping they wouldn't ticket me. But like still like, and then, you know, two days later, I get the call that I have brain meds and I'm like looking at the parking ticket because I was like trying to like, you know, pay it. And my oncologist calls and I'm looking at it after I get off the phone with her and I'm like, fucking hell like there's still this whole element of just life shit that goes on that that isn't beautiful and that's okay that it still sucks yeah like the freak outs you know yeah yeah or like when your kid throws a tantrum in the middle of the supermarket and knocks over 10 jars of pickles like <laughs> you know the fuck universe like mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't get a break. And that's, a break. <laughs> and that's so insane to me. Like how, how much the universe can just like fuck you over and over again and then turn around and be like, I'm going to show you the most gorgeous bird you've ever seen. <laughs> and it's going to be like hit yeah. with like this perfect beam of sunlight. And you're going to be like, this is awesome. And I feel this so much more. And it's like something out of a movie. And it's just like, it it's intense. It's so intense. And then you start crying because you're like, because cancer and like, I don't know what I'm feeling and I don't yes. know what's going on. And like life is just weird, man. I'm feeling it all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to go pet kittens in 
make hair braids. Or- <laughs> yeah, but can we can we name this episode "Fuck That Worm"? Fuck that worm! <laughs> Fuck that worm! I'm gonna touch it. <laughs> <laughs> no worms were harmed in the making of this podcast episode. I can't make that promise, but I will not fuck the worm. (laughs) My last thing that I want to touch on before we kind of wrap up is, I mean, this this is just something that I selfishly am kind of grappling with. And like, I wanted to just throw it out there. It's like, what can we do and how can we kind of talk more about this like bridging the gap between early stage and metastatic and like what can we do to to move to to get there like because I for me personally like I always feel so weird sometimes bringing up like my metastatic status because it's always like it's awkward. It's like, then there's always that like, oh shit, that's really bad. And I'm like, I don't know what to say. It's still a spectrum. Yeah. And it is. Women that have stage four for years that we know. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. and, and who are like no evidence of disease and doing great. And then there are women who get like recurrences and they are, you know, it's so aggressive and they're gone in like weeks and months. And it's just like, well, so the, the dialogue needs to change within the doctor's offices for starters. Like there, you know, there's still 11% are, are, of cases are under the age of 45. So yeah. that's still a decent chunk. That's more than 10%. So, you know, really knowing from the patient's perspective, I think is just so excellent what Kelsey was saying too. Um, that's totally a part of it. Um, you know, I think too, it's, it's, it's bridging that gap and, and being truthful about the possibility of, of reoccurrence and really explaining what that is. There's a lot of women also who I spoke with at YSC this year who like didn't even know what their chemo drugs were doing to their bodies, for example. Yeah. So it's just really, really hard. Um, you know, but it's like, because there's so much ignorance around it, you know, before you get it. So yeah, yeah. the total crash course in a whole another language, essentially. And then you don't even find out right away that there, young people do get it and that we're out here and we are, right. you know, and it's, providing our own little guidelines. And it's insane. And that, that like, not just that we're like this scary specter of like the worst case scenario, but like, we're still slogging through the same mud that everyone else is and and that there is like you know I think a really good example is like each one of you went through hell in terms of your diagnosis your surgery chemo radiation like ongoing treatment like and and for me I didn't do most of that stuff. Like, and so like there is like this fundamental piece of like, it's still awful. It's still really fucking hard. There's, yeah, there's no, there's no spectrum of like who, I mean, in some ways there, there is like, but, but there's really like that fundamental like piece of like, I, Kelsey, I think it was you that was saying like everything is changed. Like we had to 
burn our former selves to the ground and rebuild because that was the only option that we had. And that's not, that's not an early stage versus late stage thing. That's a, like, I have to deal with this horrible diagnosis that's taken over my life and figure out a way to live with it so it doesn't eat me alive. Yeah. And I don't think doctors prepare no anybody early stage for what could happen with metastatic breast cancer. And I think that's a necessary component of the conversation as well. Um, it seems like, you know, in the very beginning of diagnosis, whether you're brought into an office or you got it through the phone. I mean, I've even heard letters, which is absolutely bonkers to me. What the fuck is that? You know, let's be honest, like some of the, the way that, that we're diagnosed is even totally fucked up because like you hear yeah. those three words and you're in a, you, you go into a black hole and in the sea gets rough and you you it, it's an undis, indescribable thing to hear it, like it, when it comes out of their mouth it's like what you know so so just even like having more than one physician there you know right. just as warning right. saying, hey you know this is what we need because I didn't know what I was going to need to die I didn't know what stage I was for two days I had no idea I was just like I was thinking like I, it was like my life is a real fucking soap opera isn't it I'm literally next week going to be in bed stage four you know clinging like you know, right oh right. it's over you know and and it it wasn't that way. It was only stage two, but still dangerous enough because there was still lymph node spread, which means that, you know, and a lot of people don't realize it. That means that it like it cross contaminated with fluids all over your body. So there's yeah. one in three chance that it can actually reoccur. And then that also depends on if you're estrogen progesterone positive, then lucky you, you get an oncotype and it'll tell you, you know, what your re rate of reoccurrence is based on a bunch of individuals who got it before you. So, you know, there's ways, but yet at the same time, I feel like there was nothing, there was no realistic possibility that, you know, I was going to be the fighter who was going to get through it. We were all going to get through it. And it was going to be good. And I, you know, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't feel like I was set up for, you know, even understanding what the metastatic community goes through, you know, at all. And, and even bridging that, you know, I think that that is definitely something that needs to change in the course of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I definitely, I totally agree. And I think it comes down to the fact that doctors are there to treat the disease and that's their, that, I mean, for so many of them, that's their primary goal. I mean, that's, that's what they know is how to treat the disease, not necessarily to treat the patient. Um, yeah. And that's, that's, that's why I feel like what, what every single one of us is doing by talking about it and sharing not only our stories, but sharing other people's stories and just kind of get like getting the conversation out there, whether that's on social media, blogs, podcasts, everything, because I felt like I went in blind. Um, I, and I went, obviously like I went to the internet when I was, you know, when I was going through multiple biopsies, I was like, let me just find stuff on the internet and see, but it was all, everything I was finding was like, just, just not how people were living. It was like, it was more about them, how like cancer took, their lives, you know, just like right. ruined their lives. But I wasn't seeing these stories about people continuing the conversation. And the clearly, I mean, nobody around me was talking about it. Nobody was telling me to do self-breast exams. Nobody was telling me to find out my family history or ask my family at all. Like, hey, does anybody get genetically tested anywhere? Like, do we, like, nobody was talking about it. And so yeah. I feel like even on the doctor, on a doctor level, 
they treat the disease, but they no longer tell you how to live after cancer or how to live with cancer. Like, yeah, it starts and stops with your diagnosis. And then once they treat you, it's like, okay, like, well, we're going to monitor you and see if you reoccur, or we're just going to keep monitoring you because you have metastatic breast cancer. Like, right. You know, yeah. It's just like, I, I was diagnosed by like a local radiologist and I was complaining about really significant bone pain. And then they did an MRI of like a bilateral breast MRI that showed sternum lesions and they still wouldn't like diagnose me, like restage me. They were like, no, you're stage two, like going for bilateral mastectomy. And I was like, no bitch, second opinion, like do not pass go, do not collect $200. And yes, and I was stage four. And it just like, they, we called the radiologist and we're like, what the fuck? Like, and she was like, I'm sorry. I, I just didn't even think to look. You're so young. I'm like, uh, no. No, bitch. Like, it was so insane how the, like, this someone who, like, is like a respected member of the medical community can still be so narrowly, like, have such a narrow understanding of what this disease can look like. That's just crazy. I mean, I think what you're doing though, Emily, is does help bridge that gap. I do think that there's just so much misunderstanding and so much, I don't know, there's just a lack of empathy when you don't understand something. And I think that's what you're doing for the metastatic community. And you're not, you're not just exclusive to that, you're open to everything. And I think that that creates conversation with everybody. And I think that that's so good. Um, Emily, Emily, by talking about it and by laughing about it and by being honest about it, you allow other people into a space of honesty and laughter and like you demystify it by talking about it in a demystifying way. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that like having this conversation is, is so important. And I was like, I, I feel like I just, I want to have more because like, it just, it always strikes me how there are so many more similarities through the things that we're dealing with. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes like I'll go to conferences and I kind of feel like the Metsters get like, we get sequestered where we're like, okay, yeah, here's I, like I didn't see you guys at YSC at all. Yeah. I didn't either partial partially because I hid in my room for like a day and a half because I was really, really tired and feeling sick. And so I just, I only went to like three things and then came down for like a breakfast. (laughs) um, But, but it was the other part of it was that I was almost exclusively at metastatic track stuff. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't, much that was super helpful to me because there was that pretty clear delineation between like what what was you know relevant to me and what wasn't and so like we need more of that like like 
there's so much of this stuff that is relevant to all of us. And that is, that's, I think, the interesting conversations that I, I think, like, I've noticed that a lot of organizations are a little bit nervous to have. Yeah. Well, and I've learned more about metastatic from you than any other source that's out there. I mean, and, and I think that's a good thing. And I think it's also kind of a bad thing. I think that there's just a need for more conversation about it. I, I totally agree. Like, that's kind of a scary thought because, like, I'm not a good source of information. <laughs> <laughs> for a lot of things <laughs> you are though i mean absolutely absolutely just the, i feel like just the fact that you're able to talk about it but i feel like this right here like the fact that you reached out to so many women you could have reached out to only metastatic breast cancer like and not even the, that it needed to be podcasters just anybody that was sharing their story and you could have only reached out to them to to have to to share to share more to continue the conversation but instead you chose to to reach beyond whatever invisible boundary that there is in the realm of cancer and say no like how do we all talk about something that has affected us all yeah it affects everybody in a different way because everybody's diagnosis is is different regardless if it's the same numerically like it's that everybody has internalized it differently, but you Every stage, even yeah. pre-vivers. And, yeah. Like, you know, right. Three, yeah. Right. Like there's three tiers of, you know, there's like three categories of individuals affected, impacted directly by cancer. And that's pre-vivers, survivors. And, you know, I guess if you want to yeah. call it thriver, you know, so there's those, there's like three categories and yeah, yeah, you just go down from there. Yeah. But Emily, I feel like you, you talk about it in a way that, I mean, we can get all the medical information we want, mm-hmm. you know, like we can go to our doctors, we can ask every medical question and they're going to answer it in every medical term. But you're saying it a way that people can absorb, like in, in an actual conversation with true real life information. And I feel like that, you guys that gives me, more. You guys are making me tear up. This is like the greatest wing fest I've ever been a part of. <laughs> and I'm going to send you all Sherry's berries. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yay. But, but I'll send you a hair braid. Oh god. Yes. Yes. Yay. Somebody sent me one. Oh my god, so funny. I but for real though, like it it takes you guys. It takes the conversations that all of you are having on your shows over and over with each other and with the people that you're bringing on, like that is what is changing the narrative. And like, it's, it's because of what each one of you have done that, that we're able to have this conversation and like, holy shit, I love you guys so much. We love you. We love you. Yay, love fest. Love fest. Love fest. Oh my God. Hair braids. (laughs) Um, Okay. So on that note, on that super duper sappy note, I, I think we have to wrap this up and I really don't want to, um, but rest assured, this is going to happen again. And I, before we go, I want everyone to, 
just say where we can find you on social media, where uh, your podcast, any, you know, Twitter, Instagram handles, blog links, um, just kind of run, run through those. And I'm going to link those to the show notes as well. Um, so let's start with Lindsay. Um, cancer casually is cancer casually on Instagram. And my personal one is I like Lindsay L I N D S A Y. And the fullest mag is the fullest mag. And that's who is the producer of cancer casually. Awesome. All right. And Tina. Yes, I'm at www.djbreastcancer.org. And then um, DJ Breast Cancer is obviously my podcast. And same for my Instagram, where I'm most active. Awesome. And um, Mimi and Leanna? We're at thanksCancer.com and thanksCancer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And... Kelsey B. <laughs> so, um, I, my podcast is But You Don't Look Sick, um, and you can get to it through my blog, Pardon My French, or um, Instagram. I'm just at Kelsey Bucci. All right. And Kelsey S. Yes, you can find me at The Can Survivor. That's me on Insta. Um, I believe it's on Facebook as well as um, what's the other one? Twitter? Oh yeah, Twitter. Twitter. That's the other one. I always tend to forget about that one. Um, and then there is also um, a Facebook business page, of course. So if you just Google The Can Survivor, I can be found there. The podcast is on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And YouTube. Awesome. <laughs> Oh, YouTube. Damn, yeah, girl. We're on YouTube. Yeah, we do. We have a video, yeah. we have a video podcast now. Yeah. Oh, my God. We That's been on for about 20 days. episodes. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Oh, my gosh. You guys, this was awesome. Yeah. This is so amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is, you guys are great. You guys are great. I'm just going to stop Thank you. the fangirling and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Thank yeah. you for setting this up. Yes. Making it so yes. easy for us. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you for you. yes. Thank you for responding to my weird Instagram messages. Mm-hmm. Like I <laughs> anyone will always be your Valentine. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Okay. So thank you so much for listening. This is wrapping up season two. I can't believe that. That's insane. Um and all of the shows are going to be linked to um, linked in the show notes, as well as the discussion about the marine collagen, and um, links to all of the guests' social media. Thank you again for listening, and um, see you next time on the intersection of cancer and life for season three, which is going to be a doozy. That was our episode. Thanks for listening to Thanks Cancer. If you guys enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would give us a review on iTunes or Google Play. And you can find us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at Thanks Cancer. And please, we'd love to hear from you your stories. Your protocols. Exactly. Advice that you have to share with the community. So send us your audio files at info at thanksCancer.com. Traffic stopped, you lay on the horn and you ask yourself, where is my cancer unicorn?
affiliate with your cancer card. We're your passport date. Cause cancer's damn hot. Oh, thanks cancer. Thanks cancer. Thanks cancer. Victories in the dark. <laughs>